0: metalheads after going to a rager what's your ultimate go-to mine is totally pizza so when overload is playing or i'm promoting the metal forge live showcases or the big goddamn metal show i go to pizza donisi pizza donisi is gourmet artisan pizza from right here in louisville kentucky It features things like the pizza of the month, the sandwiches, and also vegetarian and vegan options. Which is so totally fucking cool for all all of, it's, it's awesome pizza. You definitely want to go. Hey, and also, from time to time, they do cannolis. Oh, so fucking good. You know what they said, man. Leave the gun, take the cannoli. Yeah, just like that in Godfather. They're located right next to the Mag Bar at 1396 South 2nd Street. So either stop in or call in at 502-213-0488. They're open till midnight. The witching hour.
1: Heineken! Fuck that shit! Pabst Blue Ribbit!
0: Hey Metalheads, you won't hear me talk about Magbar all the time. It is the home to the Metal Forge Live showcases and is an integral stop in the Ultimate Underground Metal Tour schedule. They obviously feature live music, but the Magbar also has daily specials like Pint and Slice Night on Tuesdays with Pizza Donisi. But they also do Bring Your Own Vinyl on Thursdays with DJ Kent Jackson and Finer Things Sundays. Located right next to Pizza Donisi at 1398 South 2nd Street. Open 3 p.m. to 4 a.m. seven days a week. Get your asses out to the Mag Bar. Rocco. 45 years, in keeping Louisville weird, Electric Ladyland has been there for all your eccentricities. While they do offer the best smoking supplies out on the market today, there's a whole lot more to check out. From ashtrays and blacklight posters, to records, incense, and burners, and items to stock your metaphysical supply. They're open from 10 to 10, 7 days a week, Located at 2325 Bardstown Road in Louisville, Kentucky. And at ElectricLadyLand420.com. Roll out.
1: In a broken wasteland, I've come to my fire. At place of blood and steel, Upon my fire, oh, this is the metal force. This is the metal force. This is the metal force.
0: What's going on, Flame Keepers, Battle Ragers, Metal Forgers, and Metal Heads? Welcome to the Metal Forge. My name is Mark Jackson, and I am your host. How the fuck are you doing this week? I am doing fairly fucking rad, my friends. I mean, hell yeah. We've got... Ted Aguilar from Death Angel here in the Metal Forge, and we are talking to him about some awesome, illustrious career, you know, legendary band, legendary Bay Area thrash, Death Angel. Hell yeah, man, like, a crazy 40-year career easily, and, you know... If you've ever seen like Murder in the Front Row, or you have the book, uh, or you have seen uh, Get Thrashed, that documentary, uh, they, you know, it's really interesting how you know the the way the scene lined out with you know your primary, secondary, tertiary uh, run of bands and so on and so forth, you know. I I definitely recommend those documentaries if you are ever into like, you know, the thrash and death scenes from, uh, the, the mid eighties, because they are both great documentaries. Another one I recommend as well is American hardcore, such a rad fucking documentary as well. Um, but I'm a, I'm a documentary hound actually, you know, I, I think a good, um, music documentary goes a long way. Because that's one of the things I always like, no matter what it is. If it's something like uh, Sound City, I love that. You know, I love the classic album series where they would go in depth and talk about the mixing and mastering and recording of an album like Ace of Spades to Rumors, uh, 2112, The Doors. You know, uh, they did uh, L.A. Woman. Uh, you know, just so many albums that they've done that with "Bad Out of Hell." Uh, so many cool things, and even still, I love live show capturing as well. You know, even from different media perspective, like if it's a not cell phone shit that fuck that. You know, I'm talking like you know, crowd somebody is watching like on a filming on an old VHS or something. Uh, back in like the '90s or even in the '80s, you know, where somebody brought their, you know, somebody snuck their Super 8 camera into the, into Cobo Hall and filmed uh, Kiss at terrible, at, at some terrible, uh, 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 you know, I don't know, fucking terrible perception. <laughs> but hey, I mean, that's part of the mythos. Am I wrong? You know. I guess, I, I don't know, I mean, that's the cool shit I think that I think that we all share as metalheads, you know, is, is the weirdness of it, and just the, as much as it is like a subculture, subculturally, I guess, um, but yeah, you know, Death Angel, fucking awesome, uh, Bay Area thrash band, fucking hell yeah, uh, there's not much that I can really say about them that, you know, it's like, here's a band that needs no introduction and, and I walk off, you know, but no, you know, as it is, I always like to go back to the fucking beginning on shit. But you know what? This time, I'm actually not gonna do that. I'm not gonna go to the ultraviolence to play a song today. I wanna go to Act 3, which is the album that I discovered Death Angel on. This is X2C! Yeah!
1: Black, God
0: All right, Metalheads, this week we're being joined in, uh, you know, not... I keep wanting these always to to be like in-person interviews, because so I'm always saying like we're being joined in the Metal Forge when it's like, you know, on Zoom and, and phone and such. But, uh, dude, Ted Aguilar from Death Angel is here. Dude, what is up?
2: How are you, Mark?
0: Man, like, this has always been like... Wow, man! Like this is so cool because I just talked with Jeff from Possessed a few weeks back, uh, and now you know I'm getting to talk with you. Uh, it, it it it's so cool because I've looked up to the to that scene so much in my musical career. To like, I've seen all of you bands live so many times over the years. Played with you guys before even, and um, you know just it's just awesome for me it's like a it's like holy grail moments you know that getting to see all you bands live for so many years and now that i'm doing like journalist work that i'm just like hey uh, you want to do an interview what's up
2: <laughs> right on man yeah i listened to your um interview with jeff becerra it's a good one man
0: it's yeah one. he he is such a great dude uh i was you know, because bands, you know, bands like Possessed and and bands like yours, you know, you're, you're legendary bands at this point for, you know, a dude like, you know, that's 40 years old like I am. And, you know, you guys in that scene were were the younger guys, right?
2: Yeah, the band was, you know, I, I remember seeing them back in the 80s. Yeah, younger band. They were the youngest band in thrash. They so, were young.
0: Yeah, so like hearing all the stories about you all being like twelve and thirteen and fourteen years old when everybody else is in their, you know, their nineteen, twenty, twenty-one. How how is that now even?
2: For for the eighties, that was pretty unheard of for a band to be that young and to play club than you know to have a record label. I mean, I was inspired by it. I mean, that's what made kind of what kind of drawn me to that band i mean one when i found out death angel young band and of course you know the the connection of the nationality filipino filipino it, it just got me curious but hey man when you're like teenager in the 80s and you listen to the ultraviolence you can't imagine like these young kids wrote it you know what i mean I was right like, Whoa, pretty advanced for the time way advanced and they were like you know they 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 stood the ground, and, you know, they were able to hang with the big boys. Definitely. So
0: what were you doing uh in all of that time, say? Because you came into Death Angel early 2000s, though, right?
2: Yeah, 2001. August 11, 2001 was my first show with them. It was for the Chuck Billy benefit, Thrash of the Titans in San Francisco. That Definitely. was my first show with them. But, yeah, the band had been broken up for, like, 10 years, and— when I saw him back in the 80s, you know, I was just, you know, just like everyone else going to shows, young kid, young metal kid going to shows with friends and checking out all the local bands, of course, like Death Angel, Violets, Forbidden Testament, Exodus, Heathen, Mordred, all of them. <laughs> Went to all the shows. You know, and in me and our current drummer right now, Will Carroll, who's in Death Angel as well, you know, we had our own band, local band, and, you know, we were like third tier because there was a first tier and second tier of Flash. We were, in the third tier realm and you know we were playing shows with these guys you know every local band trying to fight for the opening or sporting slot for these man so that's what i was doing and will was doing then uh 90s came along and you know we still we were still jamming but what was it mid 90s to 2001 i kind of took a break from music got a job did that thing Definitely. and uh, then rob cavastani called me and said hey man we're doing this We're getting together. We're getting Death Angel together for this Thrasher Titans thing for Chuck Billy. Do you want in? Because Gus Peppa, the original guitar player, he was living at the Philippines at the time, and he wasn't into it playing in Death Angel no more. And he gave his blessing. And twenty-two years later,
0: and here you are, right?
2: Yeah, talking to you, man. Definitely. (laughs) Uh,
0: Which is which is awesome because you know I've seen you guys over the years. here in Louisville in Cincinnati a few different times and you know being a it seemed like when I was growing up the the like most notable uh, like album from Death Angel at the time you know being act three because that was pretty much the last full length that we got until you know the the Art of Dying came out Right. and so it's like I could find. I remember finding like Act Three everywhere. You know, you, you I saw so many copies of that. I've 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 had several copies of it throughout the years. So as you know, it seems like a lot of the like you said. You know, there was a lot of second uh, wave and third wave bands that you know, and I think Jeff becerra had talked about the same thing in his episode how there was a lot of second and third wave bands and how did it did it happen for you kind of similar like you were you in a band and just like all of a sudden somebody was just like hey i got your first gig like and then it's like holy shit this became real
2: (laughs) yeah you know that's you know that's what I wanted to do and a lot of people in my age group and around that time wanted to be in a band and play shows because we looked up to the bands that were doing it before us you know and you know it was a great time its I was telling somebody it was a great time I'm glad I lived it but it's never happening again oh absolutely the the whole innocence of you know no, no internet no cell phone no nothing and having to go out and do it grassroots passing out flyers going to as many shows as you can telling people word of mouth and you know relying on uh tape trading all that crazy stuff it was a good time but yeah you know having when you're starting your own band and you know you, you think you're up to the point where you could play live and someone gives you a chance or you go out and hustle and try to get a gig and you get that gig it's 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 pretty it's pretty awesome feeling
0: definitely you know? what i always thought was interesting back because of like in my time with that as well cuz i was at the very when my like time came with being that being like 12 13 15 years old and it was at the very end of the like the tape trade era you know it's like it it very much at the how we were still recording and putting stuff on cassette tape for demos and passing them out to our friends on cassette tape like you all did but nowhere near you know because that that was when like home burning of cds became a real first thing so when I guess what I'm asking is like when that era happened you know being an elder quote statesman as it were when it comes to the metal the metal scene how did it feel when 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 musicians could like burn their albums at home what did that feel for you?
2: I didn't really trip off it though I did not you know trip off you know because everyone dubbed cassettes yeah. Everyone burned CDs. You know, I didn't really trip off it because it seemed like it was just the next thing to do. What I really tripped off and what made me kind of stop and think about it is the whole, I guess, Napster thing. Mm-hmm. You know, when that whole thing you could download and just anywhere. Because when you, when you um, I don't know, some, I guess it's just a different generation, you know, uh, uh, dubbing cassettes and burning CDs. Because you actually got a copy, but you ended up buying the record too. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, for sure. We're, oh, yes. Back in your day, you would buy the, you would get like the tape trade, but you would get like a song or two off of it. And then that yeah. would Im- that would influence you to say, buy the whole album of Number of the Beast rather than, you know, just downloading it or, you know, not even, you had a, you ha- it was almost like listening to the radio where you could hear yeah, you like had, certain songs. You had no other choice but to
2: buy it. Now with the internet, you know, if you could get it for free, then what's the point of buying it, really? Right. Back then in the 80s and 90s with, you know, tape trading and all that, there was no other choice how to get the album. Okay, someone dubbed you a tape, you got a couple of songs, this is killer, you know, and you went out and bought the record. Then, you know, I guess, you know, times have changed, you know, things change, it evolves, and that's where we're at now. (laughs) <laughs> For sure, you know, like I, said, I think it's a, it was a great time. I'm glad I lived it, but it's never happening again.
0: Right, I agree. Uh, I think it equates to like how back in the '50s and '60s, rock music was very single-driven. Yes, and then it became a very album-driven thing and now here we are you know 50, 60, 70 years later from the original first like recordings of such of like people like Elvis and Little Richard and now we're
2: back and doing singles again <laughs> for the digital market. It, <laughs> it goes in waves you know I mean right now we're in a point or in a uh, point in time where not only is it a singles in the digital world but vinyl made a good comeback. Oh
0: absolutely.
2: Same time, so, so people are probably buying vinyl whether they're buying it because they just want to collect, or it's a trend, or they're actually buying it to listen to it as an experience, as we all did when we were young,
0: right? And that, for me, it's that, a little bit know. of both.
2: Because, a little bit of both. Yeah,
0: you know, because i I just turned forty this year, so I'm kind of young compared to most of the people that I have on the show, <laughs> or want to have on the show, I should say. Uh, but for me, you know, I this is the first time, the first time ever that I've had my music pressed on vinyl that, you know, was actually released for something. I've done CDs and tapes and everything else. So how does that for you change? You know, when you see your music on vinyl, on a, on a medium that just like, what, how cool is that for you? Like, what is the, what is the thing that you've always wanted to see your music done on? It's just like, holy
2: shit, this is awesome. I grew up on vinyl. I grew up on vinyl, so seeing it... it I mean, nothing against the cassettes or the CDs. It, it's a medium that did come out, but ju- it's just something about vinyl. It's, it means more than the CD and the cassettes. I agree. Cassettes I kind of relate to of, like, demos or just something playing in the car, but vinyl is something you could listen to at home for that experience. You know what I mean? Oh Yeah, you get it,
0: immersive in it, yeah.
2: You get immersive, so I would say... To me, seeing it on vinyl, it's it seems more of a a big thing than it is CDs and cassettes. But I don't mind CDs and cassettes because I also grew up in that era. But vinyl was my vinyl was when I got introduced to being young.
0: Okay, cool. So yeah, it was the thing that you you know it was the medium when you were you know when you were a kid that everybody saved up their their money and went to the record store. Exactly. Absolutely, man. Hell yeah! So you all have some shows coming up that we're here to promote as well, correct?
2: Yes, we have. We just got done with a, a European trek, co-headlining with Sacred Reich, and the opening band was Angelus Apartrita. This is that? I think that's how you say it. A great thrash band from Spain. I think everyone should check them out, man. They blew us, man. They they just blew our heads away, man. Great band. Very into it on stage they're great musicians fucking they were tearing it up every night then you had us in second reich it was a three-band bill across mainland europe we did that for three weeks we just got home last week and now to close out the year we have three shows in december we're playing um december 20th in santa cruz at the catalyst where it's death angel warbringer x mortis and a local band called phantom witch then the next two days we you know Have our annual another Death Angel Christmas show, which is at the Great American Music Hall in San Francisco, December 21st and 22nd. Both nights are supported by Forbidden. No, love them. And uh, the first night is opening up called Frolic from the Bay Area, and the second night is Tornadic from Los Angeles. And we're both shows, both Christmas shows are sold out physically. You can't get any more tickets, but we're live streaming both nights. And you can purchase a live stream ticket on our website, deathangel.us. And uh, we've, we've been live streaming a couple of our shows. And, uh, you know, it's been going well. And, you know, people from around the world want to see it. You know, if they can't make it out, they can see what our Christmas shows are all about. So I suggest checking it out because there's some really cool content. And and there's going to be more surprises coming up. I just got to wait till you know. Tell the show, the yeah. you know, you got to wait. There's this certain timing you got to do with promotion, so I can't let the cat out of the bag right
0: now. Well, absolutely. So, tell me about past Christmas shows that you're talking about do- that you've talked about doing. So you do. So this is something that you all have done for a while now. I'm assuming.
2: Yeah, well, this is our eighth annual. Of course, we couldn't do it for 2020, 2021. And right? 2020. Because of the situations. Of course, of the situations, we started in 2014. And it's always in our hometown of San Francisco. It's something we wanted to do. It was inspired by the Beatles because they always the Beatles did something similar in Liverpool. Okay. Uh, I believe it was during Christmas time, I believe. And we always uh make it fun. You know, we always get a good support band and we always add a local band because uh we wanna give, you know, give props to the local bands, give them a chance, you know. Well we know absolutely.
0: How that Because you hear so many epic stories of, you know, old Waldorf shows and Ruthie shows and stuff like that that never happen anymore that is completely unheard of. And now you actually have the the opportunity to do that, you know, on on a different level. Yeah, and and you're paying it forward and taking – you know, that's what Flamekeeper that that's the, like the parent company to the Metal Forge now. That's what Flamekeeper is all about is the keeping the scene alive through the traditions and such that and creating new traditions. You know, just exactly. keeping the metal scene alive be and, and being a caretaker of the scene. And that stuff is super rad to me and you know, outreach programs and just doing shows where, you know, you you know, staying humble. I think that's really what it is. And you're not let, you don't let everything, you know, you don't have the success that goes to your head. Yeah. You're doing European tours and such, but you know, you guys are, you're humble about it. It seems like.
2: Thanks. Yeah. Uh, we try our best. Like I said, we always try to get a really good support act for our Christmas shows. And we always, you know, want to throw, throw one opening act for a local band and we've been doing that since twenty fourteen. Every year it's been selling out. Couple nights in San Francisco. It's been our tradition. And since uh this is the first one back in three years, it's sold out like in two weeks. Once nice. we announced it. Like two weeks or three weeks or something. And uh there's people from around the world that I met are flying in for it.
0: Hell yeah, <laughs> so man.
2: It's a tradition. But, you know, like I said, it's sold out, so if people wanna check it out, it's um It's going to be a live stream We have tickets on sale for our live stream on our website And we're not It's a no repeat weekend We're not repeating a set list
0: You know that's actually what I was going to ask Since it was a two night thing If y'all had two different uh, Two different themes for each night
2: Yes we do Like we're not repeating any of our songs That's awesome So you know I mean, we have enough songs We have enough records And you know we played a lot of them So we wanted to like change it up, not repeat anything like let's each night's got to be its own unique thing.
0: For sure. No, I totally agree with that. And, you know, that's one of the things that I've always tried to be an advocate of for bands that I understand, you know, when you're in a big band and I say a big band, like say you're doing arena shows and such, like, you know, like 20, 30,000 seat places. I understand if you have like a, I don't know a like a composite set list that you do. That's, you know, you know that you've got to play certain things, but doing the whole no repeat deal, even from a, from a band where you've got, say you, you've you got two albums worth of material and you're a local band versus yeah. having 13 albums and having a career of 30 years that, that impressiveness of being able to do a show with no repeats, that are back to back is so awesome.
2: Thanks, man. I mean, we, we it, it it's not only good for us, it keeps us on our toes and we like to play. We figured, you know, let we have other songs we want to jam to. And usually um in our hometown, we usually bust out songs that we don't bust out on the road because it's hometown. You know, some people are like, fuck yeah. Right. It's a, and you know, you get the you get started. the
0: diehard group, the the group that's known you since you were you were ten and twelve years old coming out too.
2: Yeah, before album even came out. So we kinda try to do something really special for the hometown, of course. Throwing out like maybe tracks we haven't played on tour, like you kinda save it for hometown, which is special. You know, and we always do a we always do a Christmas song and a Beatles song. It changes every year. Nice. So what what Christmas song? What Beatles song? You're gonna have to check it out. Yeah, that <laughs> uh, one we're not gonna give, give that, away. <laughs> that one we can't
0: give away. Uh, yeah, because that that's just so awesome. I'm definitely gonna have to buy uh, a ticket to the live stream because Thank I you. can't make it out there.
2: Yeah. Not uh, only that, dude, like the the content in between, because when you go to a show, like after a band, you know how there's a 20 minute set change for the next band or something. Being at the actual venue is a different story because you got the the energy of the crowd. You're talking to your friends. There's playing music in the background, but Online is totally different, so we're coming up with some good online content for people to watch until the next act comes up, dude. That's a great idea.
0: Yeah. I mean, so as writing and everything has changed for you guys, I'm kind of uh, this ties somewhat back into where we are, so it's not too far out, out in the weeds. Sure. So, as you've been in the band since 2001 and writing has you know y'all put out quite a bit of albums since then you know
2: yeah we did and
0: uh, how does that change for you all when curating a set for shows because you have such a wide discography to choose from you've got eps albums singles you're you know we're talking like 40 50 60 songs and how do you all pick like a, a 12 song
2: set well, we, first of all, we try at least to get one song from every album. We try, you know. Sure. Um, it 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 goes back and forth. It's like we'll we'll pick a set list and we think it looks good on paper until you play it live. Right. Then you realize, oh man, that it looks good, but maybe that transition or the the crowd reaction from that song wasn't great, and blah 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 blah. So you try to switch the songs out. And you kind of find the one that goes, all right, this is it. Especially um, on our last, on this headlining, co-headlining tour with Sacred Reich, we, we changed the set like four or five times. <laughs> you know, there's certain things you got to keep, of course, like what people call the hits, like um, "Thrown to the Wolves is one of them that people dig. You know, the, the Dream Calls for Blood, of course, Voracious Souls from Ultraviolence. Those are like staples, but there's other things like, hey, how about throwing this here, throwing that there, just to keep it different. You know, some people it may go over people's heads, but we try it. You know, it's hard to create a set list, and it all depends on the tour too. You right? Know, we're not going to throw blistering thrash if we're playing with somebody like I'm just throwing it out there. We never played with them before. Like, just say a Volbeat, which they're totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll try to cater our set to the tour, the bands we're touring with, or the fan base. But we have a lot of songs that we could do that but for a headlining one it's yeah it's really hard man right <laughs> it's real hard it's trial and error
0: right absolutely because that was actually some of my two favorite shows last year was seeing you guys in uh the Bay strikes back tour with Exodus and Testament in Covington Kentucky at the Madison Theater it was a really great place and that was like yeah, the first yeah. big show that I had seen border there
2: border from ohio it borders ohio or yeah. something yeah, 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 I remember it. That was a uh, cool that was a cool show.
0: Yeah, and then later that year it was just you and Exodus in Louisville at a yeah, place called Headliners. Club. In a in a yeah. in Headliners. And Headliners is like a seven hundred cap venue, but it has some of the best shows in Louisville. And like so, like I love the intimacy of it. And I got some really cool pictures from that show. So
2: cool. I <laughs> do a- remember that show. I do. It was a it was a great show. It was well attended. Yes, we we're kind of out in the middle of nowhere. I remember <laughs> walking to the coffee shop when you leave. Make a right down the street to the coffee shop, and I remember at night we you walk out, make a left, go up the street, make a left, and we were hitting this pizza parlor late night. Yes, I, I do remember.
0: Yeah, uh, Spinelli's is the pizza parlor that you're talking about. Yes, absolutely. Probably. They're open late. late yes, night. they're open to like 5 in the morning. They have some really great pizza in town. Yeah. Um, uh, it,
2: t- it was that was a good show. Oh,
0: you know. it, it absolutely is. So, as, as years have went past and and you know, you all are elder statesmen of the scene now, um how has how has your outlook changed?
2: Outlook on life and music? Yeah. Well, you know, as you get older, you know, if you're not evolving, then you're not that's kind of like a waste to me. You know, Um, looking back, looking, looking back at my 20 year old self, I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe I was like that. But, you know, it's being in this band in the music business and just life in general teaches you a lot. It humbles you, especially for us we're very fortunate very blessed to be in a band to play music for a living and get to travel and experience the fans the different cultures and all that and that bleeds into who you are and you just it just it just uh builds character we're fortunate about that you know it bleeds into our personal lives and it also bleeds into the music that we write so for sure it, the, the outlook on life it's i have a you know especially after the pandemic i just don't take things for granted i'm i'm glad we're all alive doing what we're doing all the little drama shit doesn't matter you know you just got to move forth and cuz you know no one promises you tomorrow and we're in, all in a good position you're in a good position i'm talking to you yeah you know? absolutely you're, you're doing your thing you're doing your thing and we're doing our thing and to be able to do this it's it's a goddamn blessing
0: you're dude you are absolutely right and that is Dude, that's a great point to to put the pen in the in the in the paper Don't right me. there <laughs> to just sit there and say, "Fuck yeah, take care of each other." Fucking, it's metal every day. We we all are in it together. Keep kicking ass. Keep doing what you can to make the best pro- possible life for yourself and your friends and your fans. That's pretty much it.
2: Exactly, man. I mean, you know, we do. The fans that do come out, you know, any chance we get, if we run into them either walking out of the venue or somewhere around the city and they do come up and say hi, we do spend the time to talk to them. Especially and, and dude,
0: I do want to sit here and I want to say this, that, like – you guys are completely down to earth compared to a lot of musicians I've been around because you guys still come out, you still go to the bar, you still come out and have fun. You still come out and talk to people out, you know, after you get off stage and stuff like that. I mean, shit, I ran into Will at the bar at the headliner show and we're just like, holy shit. It's like, dude, you just came off stage. What the hell? And he's like, I had to to have a drink and (laughs) you know, he had to decompress. And I think that's so fucking awesome that, you know, I met Slipknot that way back when they were like twenty years old, like just hanging out outside an Ozfest, and then being like, "Yeah, we played earlier." And it's like, "Holy shit, dude!"
2: <laughs> we we do our best. You know, some 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 nights we can't, uh, some nights we do, but we do our best. But when we do have encounters with our fans, and you know, we do appreciate them without a doubt because without them, we wouldn't be doing. What we're doing they wouldn't come out and support and we appreciate it from either sometimes we played shows where there's a hundred people and those hundred people you know to some bands that could be discouraging like oh, how come 100 people's not here but you got to flip the script on yourself and try to look at it from a different perspective and just say you know what these hundred people came to see a show and they deserve a good show you know? i agree so we uh we give it our all every night You know, we've talked, me and Rob talked about this the other day on tour. It's just like, dude, you know, we're grateful. We're blessed. Let's just enjoy it. Have a good time. And just, you know, let's just have a good vibe overall. all this nonsense, high school drama, whatever. Just, hey, man, don't ignore it, man. Just keep moving forth. Have a good time. And let's have some good shows and, you know, enjoy life.
0: Hell yeah, man. So I'm going to go ahead and switch over into Derailed. This is five random questions about Ted as a person. Sure. Uh you'll get some interesting things in here because I draw these from a random deck of interview cards that, you know, I've tried not to ask the same question twice. Okay. Uh what is one subscription that you would never live without?
2: Netflix. <laughs>
0: <laughs> even, even now. You know, uh do the, do they still I haven't had Netflix for a while. Do they still have good
2: other than like they stranger do. things? They do, but here's the thing, man. I mean, it's uh netflix will have some good ones then like of course you got your hulu's your hbo max and disney they have stuff there that netflix doesn't have so you right i i subscribe to all of them i i don't even have basic cable tv no more you know i just do the subscription thing and i love it you know i had tv but there's nothing really fun on tv (laughs) <laughs> right. No,
0: there's so. there's really not. Not on like public television anymore.
2: Yes. Not like yes. there
0: used to be in the eighties, seventies, eighties, and nineties, you know. Definitely not. Yeah. I'll agree so, with yeah,
2: I'll keep I'll keep Netflix or any streaming platform, but Netflix for sure.
0: Definitely. Well, I assume for you also being like you said, you just got out of a European tour. So when you're on a on a bus somewhere between, you know, Switzerland and Germany or wherever at two in the morning, you can't really see anything. So throwing up in the Netflix is probably the best.
2: Totally. Probably the, the best wine. Netflix or YouTube. Cause I do like watching interviews and documentaries. know, I'm a, I've been, I'm a big fan of uh, Joe Rogan. So I like watching his stuff. Oh yeah. And
0: you know, uh, I will give, I will give him this aside from outlandish, like crazy belief structure type stuff from, uh, a lot of his interview stuff has been really, really interesting. Like, I'm also a wrestling fan. Okay. So when he uh, when he has like wrestlers and things on there, like he just recently had uh, the Undertaker on there and talking about how how he his life and career and stuff. It, it was the the excerpts I've seen from it have been really good.
2: I mean, yeah, Joe Rogan can be outlandish. There's some things I don't agree with him, but overall I think his interviews are really good.
0: I agree. Do you believe a world that is so reliant on modern technology would make any progress if it were not taken, or if we were to take it away?
2: No. We're so used to it. You know, you take it away, people will just don't know what to do with themselves. It would take a long time for them to adjust going back to a world with no technology. Oh, right. It would. It would. But um, for somebody like me and friends and all that, we do miss that whole era. But we're so used to uh, technology now that, you know, we need it. We could, We could adjust to go back because we lived without technology. We grew right. up without technology. So it would be an easy transition for us to get adjusted back. But for people who grew up with technology with the internet with the iphones and all that stuff i think it would be much harder for them to adjust but i don't see a world without it it's just going to keep going it's just going to get bigger come on man you know we're all what's the subject nowadays ai yes absolutely <laughs> it's way out of control so i mean not way out of control but it can be but it's just getting to that point now where people are relying on things you take it away they're just gonna I think it will collapse. My opinion.
0: I I agree. I think with what that is is, it it's a thing where we are all to a point where we are we're pushing the envelope of you know of that Star Trek technology that you know we're always looking at the food replicators in Star Trek and stuff like that exactly. that we're really pushing to that point. But it's like when you actually achieve it. Then what then where's it gonna go?
2: <laughs> I mean, wh- what we could do and not take away the technology but limit us, like have balance. I mean, use it, but also go back into like use it for like I don't know, for example, text. You could just text your friend and say, Let's meet here. You meet there, put your phones away, just have a conversation. Yes. You know, kinda of have a balance of it, not just live on it, you know, and we're all guilty of that.
0: Oh, for so, sure. I mean, I we're mean, doing it right now
2: on on exactly. Zoom on a
0: phone, and I mean, I'm on a phone, and you're probably on a computer. But um,
2: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, this is good. It's it's the closest thing to a face to face, you know. Yes. But, have, oh, yeah. You know, if, if we could have balance with technology in real life, I think that would work instead of taking it away because it's not going away.
0: No, not going absolutely away. not. And yeah, it it's like. The other day, it was so wildly liberating, I went to the grocery store and left my phone on the charger at home. And I'm talking like, I live and it's like my community is like a weird little triangle. It's like I go to my day job that's three minutes away from my work. And I have another, like, my grocery store that's like a three-minute drive in the opposite direction. So I'm, like, within 10 minutes from pretty much everywhere I need to be, whether nice. it be the bars that I promote shows at, you know, or the grocery store or whatever. So I've been trying to to put that – to put the leash on a little bit and trying gotcha. to – so the, the technolo- technological advancement. So I'm not too tied to the phone.
2: <laughs> if I mean the phone is great, you know the, the internet's great. You know you do your banking, you could do emails. You don't have to run home and you know bust open your computer. Everything's at your phone. But if you could limit it and yes. just balance, like okay, maybe I'll check email once a day. You know they could wait 24 hours, just like the old days. They send you a letter. And you're not gonna get it for a couple of days and you gotta write a letter and send it back. But yeah. If you just kinda limit yourself online and, you know, spend more time outdoors or with people in person, that'd be great, you know. Because Definitely. like I said, you're not taking the technology away.
0: Do you still snail mail?
2: Yeah, I mean I haven't snail mail in a long time, but you know, I do get mail. You know, there's certain sometimes I'm, we get fan mail and it's good to see and you know, those are the types like I get fan mail all the time from and asking for picks. And if they send a self-addressed envelope, I'll put a pick in there and send it. It's kind of yeah, cool. It's, man. it's a tangible thing. You know what I mean? It's like,
0: Oh, right on. They Dude, put the that's effort awesome. in. Awesome. That's awesome that you all still, that you still do that. And cause I think that's with Bandcamp, for example, I think that has pushed a lot of that snail mail thing back on to bands, which is awesome. Like back, it's like a, a memory of back in the day, because yeah. I can remember doing that when I was in my teens, you know, and I'm sure I know you do, too, mailing out tapes to somebody in St. Louis because they hit you up.
2: Yeah, yeah, th- th- that's that's a cool connection in a way. So now it's either by email or Dropbox or go check out this link. It's just a different time, but, yeah, you know. Uh, but hey, well, man, I'm saying you like when you, when
0: you buy stuff, off when you buy physical merch off a of band camp, you know, so you're mailing it out to people. So that's totally cool with it.
2: Yeah. I mean, you, um, he's, I mean, a lot of people nowadays prefer online and there's some people who do like physical. So you got to cater to both. You got to adapt to the times.
0: Definitely. So since you said the thing earlier in the show about the Christmas show that you do and with the Beatles song. I I find it because there is a Beatles deck of cards in the uh, in the in the group that I I do, so I have to ask you a Beatles question: Who looks cooler, young Paul, Paul with a mustache, or bearded Paul?
2: Paul with a mustache.
0: Yes, <laughs> he, he he just has some kind of like. Uh, where I don't know, it's like the Hulk Hogan must. He's got a long, a re- that really long mustache where it comes down bo- uh, below yeah. his mouth. Yeah, he just has this weird, uh, this cool look to him. I-, I agree.
2: Yeah, yeah, cool, sophisticated look. I don't mind the beard, but I just prefer the mustache.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, like my favorite image, my favorite Beatles picture is the Hey Jude cover where they're all sitting in front of the. Uh, it looks like a mausoleum building and paul has the mustache and 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 george he ha, he has his stringy like looking beard like pretty much like uh uh the end of the era for them and john has the beard and and he's wearing that flat top hat like on uh i don't know kind of like he kind of looks like the dude on the cover of spreading the disease <laughs> uh-huh. but uh i've always loved that picture of them so Yeah, and that's got mustache Paul in it. So there you go. Absolutely. These are, this is from the what the fuck deck. Um, Okay. What is the craziest thing you've ever
2: done on stage? Wow. I don't do anything crazy but to play. I mean, I, uh, I, nothing crazy, not that I know of. Uh, Describe crazy. (laughs) Well, I mean,.
0: I guess crazy to me means like it's not accidental stuff. So you, you, no Spinal Tap moment. So like fall stepping off the front of the stage really isn't crazy as much as it is accidental. Like, have yeah. you ever like I don't know what's the craziest thing you've ever done on stage? Like, have you ever ran across the stage and and like I don't know, did something weird? What's the what's oh, the weirdest be, thing that you've done on stage that you remember and I you're just like, holy shit, that landed. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, was it on the last American tour? I just remembered there was a video clip of me out there. I was me and Rob were on our cabinets for the last <laughs> song, and we do a jump right before the big, right before the music comes in. He landed right; I didn't. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, I, I Luckily, I broke my fall with my knee, or else it would have been bad. But not <sighs> that's about it, man. I mean, I don't want to do anything crazy or whatever because. I got to concentrate on what's going on. So right.
0: I why, <laughs> well, you know? I mean being uh being in, being in your 50s, I'm sure is like is pretty hardcore when it comes to, you know, not wanting to get hurt.
2: <laughs> exactly, you know. Just, you know, we're not 20s no more. We can't, you know, do the we're not you know, we're not spring chickens. So, we uh we, we take care of ourselves and, you know, first priorities playing making sure we could. Deliver a show. I'm not we're not gonna do anything crazy and stupid up there.
0: Oh, absolutely. So I am gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little bit of a bonus question here because Please. I like to. Uh have you ever been in a place where they were filming a movie that you didn't know about until after the fact?
2: No, but I've been an extra in a movie. Okay, cool. What movie? The dirt the Motley Crue thing. <laughs>
0: Were were you were you Ted in in that movie? Like were you you? No, no. no.
2: A friend a friend of mine worked on the set on the okay. movie, and, and uh, she called me and goes, "Hey, you want to be an extra?" I go, "Sure." And she told me what it was. I go, "Hell yeah!" So you know, flew out to New Orleans for a couple days. Spent the you know, she let me um, uh, spend night on her couch in her hotel room. I was an extra for, you know, I was there for two days, you know, what I got paid, paid for the flight.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. So, that's what I was going to say. we so you were paid extra for the film. That's awesome.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that just went towards the flight. Cause I was out there. I luckily I had a place to stay, but it was just a, you know, my two seconds of fame in the, in the movie, Motley Crue, the dirt, I'm hell not gonna yeah, tell man. You that, but you got to watch it.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not a big Motley Crue fan. Um, but you know, uh, I'm from Indiana, which you know. Shout out to Mick Mars from from being from Indiana as well. Yeah, I'm Team Mick. By yeah. the way, oh God, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's just like uh, in the movie Airheads. Who do, whose side did you take in the Van Halen David Lee Roth split? <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like it's the same question. It's like okay, well, I think we're all Team Mick, right? <laughs> I mean,
2: I'm, I'm, I'm Team Mick. I'm team Mick. I'll just leave it at that. Uh,
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, shout, shout out to Mick and hell. Yeah. So before we go today, um, I have one more question, but as always links are listed below. So please give a like, a share and a follow. Go find these guys. I'm saying this like you're an independent band. I mean, we're all kind of an independent band to a degree, but You know, Death Angel is always going to have links listed below, so give them a like, share, and a follow. Go see them on tour because they put on killer fucking shows. Uh, (laughs) Do you have any shout-outs you want to give to anybody today?
2: Uh, uh, First of all, thanks to everyone who came out and support us, who still support us, even the people who stopped supporting us. You know, just got to thank everyone because, you know, without you guys, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing. People like you, Mark, who do interviews across – The world who are like really into it and want to just have a conversation, you know, we're into that. Uh, You know, we're just grateful, you know, everyone, everyone who's helped us along the way, whether it be fans, record labels, booking agents, people who come in and out of our lives. They they are a part of, you know, where we are today. So thank you to every single one of you and thank you for that as well
0: Ted that's that's awesome I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to come on today and and do this
2: no worries man thanks appreciate it we need more people like you
0: absolutely and in this shout out section because here recently uh, you had had some lost luggage and oh, yeah and <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna talk it's about hard. that too uh, so I'm assuming you still never found.
2: Yeah, still never found my guitars. It's um, It sucks to just make the long story short. You know, they weren't in my cases. Whether they were left behind or someone took them during transit, I don't know. I was bummed for that day, but, you know, I had to just move forward because I had to, you know, I had to look at it from a different perspective, which I try to do in my life nowadays. It sucks losing the guitar. The principle of either s- someone stole it or whatever. It sucks to lose it because you know those were customs. Well, but,
0: and the, and they're extensions of you. They're like they're like losing your hands to a degree.
2: Exactly, but they're just guitars. I mean, there's a lot of people who have lost their homes, right. their job, their loved ones. So, but yeah, I, um, I'm only human. I did. I was pissed I was bummed out, but I'm, you know, nothing I could do. I'm just gonna have to throw positive thoughts in the universe. Hopefully, it will be recovered. If not, then you just continue on with life, man.
0: Definitely. And I'm gonna be posting the note below because I still have it uh, of the details of the guitars. So if you do see any <laughs> of them, um, you know, get get with Ted. Get a sh- get, you know. Just hit him up <laughs> if you do see them and the notes will be posted in the, in the description below. So thank dude, you, Mark. thank you so fucking much. And, and it losing gear always sucks. I've went through some times where I've had to pawn gear. I think most of us as musicians do, and it's like, you never get it back. And then it's like, that sucks immediately. But then when you lose something like on a travel and it just not being there, that's, Oh my God, that that's awful.
2: It is, but you know, you, you got to learn. Now we just put these air tags in them, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, we them, so,
0: yes, yes, yes. So, Ted, thank you so much. My final question of the day is: Would you rather be the guy in the ship going to space, controlling the mission, or would you rather be at Mission Control here on Earth, doing putting it out there? saying this is, I'm going to put you here.
2: Um, Wow. That's a really good question. Would, um,
0: you, would you be the explorer or would you be the the guy pushing the button for the launch off? <laughs> that's pretty much it.
2: Deep down inside, I don't want to be the explorer, but I am so scared. I, that, you know, I think I would be a better fit and better use to be down below, making sure things go well. Cause you know, there's some people. I mean, it's very intriguing to go out to space, but why waste it on someone who's who's intrigued but afraid to go when there's someone out there who is willing to go all out, take the training, and do what they have to do to make it successful? I will be the one to help you do that, dude. That's fucking amazing. Yeah,
0: that it is that a metaphor of life?
2: Yep. You know, I mean, some people are built to be firemen, police people and all this stuff they were, they risked their lives, man. I can't do that. You know? You're the Um,
0: you're the dispatch saying, hey, we've got shots fired here
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hey man, whatever you need to get you to whatever you need to get it going and to clear it up and to get you home safe, I will help, but I can't be on the front lines, man. I know myself. And there's people out there who are built for it, who are into it. Give it to them. And if you could help them on behind the scenes and you have a skill that could help them be from behind the scenes, yeah. then Hey man, it's, a, it takes a team man. it takes a village.
0: Fuck. Yes, man, dude, that is such an awesome answer to that question. I, I a hundred percent agree with you that like, I would totally probably be the same way. I'm there saying I, I I'm very much a, a good, you know, general when it comes to delegation and saying, all right, Everybody's got their things. Let's do this. Let's make it fucking happen. And exactly. Yeah. Dude, that's fucking rad as shit. Ted, thank you so fucking much for doing the Metal Forge this week. I know Thanks, we've been so talking on Instagram us. since the pandemic, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> finally we yeah. got to do
2: this. <laughs> yeah, this is fun, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's different, and, you know, something that, you know, I like having conversations, man. That's
0: yeah, me too. Day. That's why we're here. I mean, because we're all people. Yeah. We're all playing metal. I mean... I always say that, and I said this a few months back in a in a short interview uh, segment with somebody, and was like, you know, metal is pretty much guesswork and cut off black sleeves.
2: Exactly. Well, Mark, I have one question for you in looking at your background. Yeah, for sure. Ride lightning or master puppets? Oh, you know what? I'm going to have to
0: change the angle of this because everybody asks me that now. Uh, well, if you notice... Uh, up in the corner up here is actually Steve Giorgio. <laughs> so uh, I got that when I was at that Covington show with you all. <laughs> okay. um, honestly, um, it's different. Uh, for me, I love both albums so much. Um, Ride for the Vision, Master for the Execution. I would say that. Um Okay. However, there are songs on, like, I still think Creeping Death to this day is that ultimate gets me hyped song. I could listen to Creeping Death from any era, any bass player uh, is what I mean by that, and still just as much get jazzed if I hear Cliff doing it, Jason doing it, or Rob doing it, you know, because they're all different. They all have their, you know, they. It's all been played separately throughout the years, differently with each member, right? Yeah. And and I'm a bass player, so that's where I'm going kind of with that. Now, Master, because from front to back, they're both great albums, from front to back is just a battering ram of epic, like, once you once you get to master, everything that they do is just steamroll, steamroll right through. And so for the epicness of master, I have to that's where I would say that. But for the ultimate, like still being um, hungry, I don't, I'm not saying they're still not hungry because they are. Uh, what I mean though is like it's a perfect follow up to kill them all and i think the idea they had from ride was executed so much better on master it's like i am a natural progressionist in music you can't have oh, totally. you can't have this album and say for example they couldn't have went from ride to justice there had to totally. be something between there and master exactly is what it needed to be like, for example, like if you all went from, you know, from ultra straight into like Act Three, it wouldn't have worked, you know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You uh, or record.
0: Yeah, just you know, there there needs to be that bridging record that that gets you there, and that's why I love both of those two albums.
2: Okay. They're I mean, fo- I-
0: they're formidable albums, and my. Um, my development as a musician, I guess.
2: <laughs> gotcha. Love both albums. I think they're great. It's hard to choose, but if I had to choose, it'd be Master because I saw them on that tour. That's a di- you know, if I would have saw them on Ride Lightning, it'd probably be Ride Lightning. It's just something about it. You got what I mean? That's just me. I saw them on Ride Lightning. It was on Master Puppets uh, oh, when they were touring with Ozzy on the Ultimate Centaur. Right. So I saw that show. So that you know, to me, is that memory. I mean, if I would have, I mean, I've heard stories of like, oh yeah, I saw them on Ride Lightning. they were sick. If I would have saw them on that tour, then my pers- my my answer would be different. Where did you yeah. see them at on Ride Tour? I did not. That's the mix. or I'm That's sorry
0: on on the Master Tour. When did you see them?
2: San Francisco. It was '86 at the Cal Palace.
0: Okay, so you actually saw an arena show. So cool. Yeah. Right yeah. on. So see that always remind that I didn't know how your I don't know your career paralleled with theirs and I like yeah. and I try not to bring them up on most shows anymore I love Metallica don't get me wrong I still do I'm a i am am a fan of their entire career me too like I don't care if it's load and reload insane anger I love that stuff yeah. I mean even to this day I find good out of all of that
2: Exactly. I do think you
0: know, you I'm that guy that I think load and reload should have been a maybe like a a sixteen song double album. <laughs>
2: yeah, but you know, then
0: But then it, again, there's songs there that I don't necessarily listen to, but there are yeah. still good songs like Cure. You know, it's got this uh doomy um uh uh, uh gothic vibe to it, like a like the you know so I get it. I like it. It's it's a different era for them.
2: Hey, you know, I mean, if they would have done the same thing, they wouldn't be who they are today. And they know what they're doing. I mean, I have to give it to them to have the creative and financial freedom to do what you want. Oh, I know. Every every band seeks, you know, yeah. to be able to do what you want, whether it's if it's going to fail or not, the, the, the freedom to go. Well, we did it and it's no one's fault but ours. As to opposed to, we did it because a record label told us to do it. Yes. You gotta... Yes. So.
0: And that's been one of the cool things that I think that I've liked about Metallica's career the entire time, is they've always... You know, I don't think a lot of people in the music industry... You know, a lot of people like to rag on them. Hardcore. Like, oh, it's fucking Metallica. Uh oh. But honestly, it's just like, dude, they have such they've got the they've got the real fuck you money in the in the music
2: industry (laughs) they do I mean they do so I mean I mean uh, they've
0: done everything I mean I don't think that nobody understands that like they're just now turning 60 and because yeah I think like Kirk was born in 62 or something like that he's the oldest but I mean still like to be 20 years old think of this To I mean, because, you know, you're you're in the same city as they are. You were in the same scene as they were. That to be 20 years old and to be producing that, holy shit. And to be 22 and doing that and to not even be 30 and putting out the, making the financial decisions for a million dollar album before you're 30 years old, you know. On the Black Album. I don't think a lot of people realize that like, hey, they were making hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars worth of decisions in their 20s doing, fu- making cr- crazy fucking decisions on like crazy shows and, and being that young and doing it.
2: That's what I mean. Um, You know, musically, music is uh, subjective. Um, of course. You could argue till the cows come home. The, let's just say the first four records. I mean, Black Album's debatable. They have so much hate for that album, but then again, so much love. So, <laughs> right. for the sake of the old school fans, let's just say the first four records, undeniable records. You know, could they ever top that? No, but you know, I don't want them to top that, no. that because no, because that time makes.
0: I mean, it's when you really think about it, it, there's really almost no difference parallel based versus them and an Iron Maiden. Yeah, I mean, because you look at Maiden and you look at that run of albums. Once they got that that core group of people, where Nico was playing, yeah, you know, I, w- I would I would be willing to bet that they really did it on Number of the Beast, which still has Clive on drums. But after that, you know, they had uh, Peace of Mind, Seventh yep. Son, um, uh, 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 what's the one I'm missing? It Power Slave, um. Uh, Somewhere in Time, No Prayer for the... You know, you had all of these epic albums from Maiden in the in the 80s that just was like, bam, 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 every like two years. And then you get into like the 90s stuff, and then they switch with Blaze Bailey. But when they came back, they weren't the same Maiden as when they were in the 80s when they came back. Because no, everybody grows and changes. and Yeah.
2: So, you know, my whole thing is, will Metallica be who they were when I experienced them? No. But I'm gonna enjoy them for who they are now and what they achieved because they may not be around tomorrow. Exactly, and so and
0: in so many so many times has that actually become a thing. Like, you know, you never know. Like the bands like Death Angel and Possessed, yeah, you all might have had a little bit of a break in there, but I think that's I think that's fine. You know, you're still got a body of work. And, you know, you still have people coming out. So it definitely means something. And they yeah, do too, so, you know. I, so You we'll know, honestly, the reason why I don't like a lot of... The reason why I think I try to not plug as much bands like that on the show these days is because there is such a... There is such a crazy takeover of tribute bands, yeah. And it's like I am such a like a through and through (laughs) metalhead that I, when I see these tribute bands playing somewhere, say take Four Horsemen for example, they're a pretty popular Metallica tribute band. But I always imagine you know when they're playing in places like you know. Almost kind of like the headliners place that y'all played at. Four, five, six, seven hundred seat places. And we have a few of them here that are Live Nation owned that are that way. And a lot of these bands sign contracts with Live Nation. And it's just like, to me, it's the band that sits there and that the drunk 25 year olds that are going out partying their life away think that it's actually Metallica playing. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Hey, yeah, did you hear
0: this band? The, that Metallica band's going to be at the Mercury Ballroom. And it's like, actually, it's not them. It's a cover band of them. But but I'm sure that, you know, there's something in that.
2: Yeah. I mean, good for them. You know, I mean, you know, they're keeping... There's people who want to hear it the way they want to hear it from the albums or that era. And there's tribute bands that do it. Good for them, man. And there's also the, the real deal. Anyway, right. so- yeah, and
0: there's the real deal. And you know and i think that that metallica has reached such a level of echelon musically that the musicians in the crowd are always going to have a nitpick of course you please everyone and let's face it all of the guitar players are going to nitpick kirk's playing they always do. They always have. Oh, well, Kirk's so fucking
2: sloppy. It's like, I don't give a fuck. It's Kirk. <laughs> you know what? Whatever. You and, know, I, I don't pay attention to that. But of course, they have the good nights and bad nights, just oh, like for sure. Any yeah. other band out there. So exactly.
0: And you know, and I don't. You know, and that's my thing is the fluidness. That's that relates back to what we were talking about with the no repeat weekend. Yeah. You know, they have that fluidness to where they can do that, that they can do. Okay. We're not going to play one tonight. We played it on Friday and that's cool with me. Cause I don't want to see one right now. Yeah. But I did the last time I got to see them, I, I got to see whiplash, which it was the first time I ever got to see it live. And I was like, fuck yeah, man. And yeah. I'm cool. You know, that's what I love about that. And I've tried to do that with my band too. Cause we've got like five albums worth of material uh well five albums and uh eps and splits and shit like that but you know when you've got 50 60 songs and you don't want to play the same fucking seven or
2: eight
3: songs
2: (laughs) it's a good thing it gets people to come out it gets the fans who you know the diehard fans who go fuck i want to hear different things you know it's it's a win-win for all for you as a musician because it keeps you on your toes and there's songs that you wrote and you know, it's like wow. It may give you a different perspective or inspiration to write newer stuff because you know it, those songs that you never played could inspire you. And two, it's for the fans that oh, it surprised them. Oh man, I haven't heard them play this. This is awesome. So it's a win-win. Absolutely, you know? I agree a hundred percent with you
0: on that, uh, Ted. On our way out today from the Death Angel illustrious career, what do you want to play out today?
2: Let's do the moth.
0: This is from Death Angel. This is The Moth. 2017 one man's vision and passion for all things metal started out as a record store in his house years later the fight against a mainstream empire continues as shade beast an independent metal collective and online store based in athens georgia is the world's premier heavy metal brand for music heads that value authenticity over the mainstream acceptance Featuring original t-shirts from some of the best underground artists, as well as stickers, posters from the Shade Beast Presents Concert Series. Unique, one-of-a-kind collectibles and small curated selection of vinyl and cassettes from the masters old and new. Visit ShadeBeast.com and enter promo code SITHLORD for free domestic shipping on your first order, whether you're a new customer or returning. And be sure to join the Shade Beast social groups on Facebook and the interwebs to keep up with the new release announcements and talk all things metal and Star Wars. You'll never find a more wretched hive of scum and
3: or wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: Since 2013, there has been a calling from the underground, from the graves of all those unholy, and they decided to make a zine to talk about all of this. Soul Grinder Zine! An independent metal zine to keep you informed on all things metal and horror from the underground. Available in both print and digital formats, they're bringing you the best interviews and reviews out there today. Not only do they do the zine, but they also do compilation CDs. Check them out at facebook.com soulgrinder.zine and start your subscription now. BigCartel.com. What's up, Metal Forge fans? This is Alan Bishop, the alchemist of Indiana's Black Forest and head distiller at Spirits of French Lick. Do you find yourself drawn to the unexplained, fascinated by the Fortean, or enchanted by the paranormal? If the things that go bump in the night resonate in your mind. Then tune into my brand new podcast, If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything. Featuring first hand accounts, collected stories, interviews, history, and speculation related to all things not of this world. Available now on Anchor, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and more. Set back, relax, and remember if you have ghosts,
3: you have everything.
0: hey let me tell you guys about mercenary press they're an independent london label and distributor of all things metal mercenary press delivers the goods from their own independent zine trust me you're gonna want to get in on that to distributing various bands from all over the world including cramp from spain and sadistic force from texas Visit mercenarypress.bigcartel.com to find out what all they have in stock and what you can order. And for Metal Forge listeners, enter code METALFORGE10 to receive a discount on your total purchase at mercenarypress.bigcartel.com. Check it out now. Maxwell's House of Music in Jeffersonville, Indiana is the premier 12,500 square foot music superstore that has served both Southern Indiana and Louisville, Kentucky metro area for over four decades. Originally founded by Marvin and Beverly Maxwell in the 70s, this gym remains a Maxwell family owned business. Mark Maxwell, along with his business partner Whitney McNichol, continued the reputation as being the national resource for all things music. In 2022, the iconic Guitar Emporium of Louisville relocated to Maxwell's Music, creating the largest independently-owned showroom in the region. The retail offerings at Maxwell's Music includes a huge selection of guitars, basses, amplifiers, effects pedals, modeling amps, keyboards, drums, banjos, mandolins, ukuleles, sound systems, stage lighting equipment, and accessories. The music education program at Maxwell's is second to none. From private instrument and voice lessons to DJ, EDM, recording, songwriting, and music theory, to rock school, weekend warriors, and Maxwell's music lab, there is something for every age and every ability level. Down in repair land, guitar and instrument repairs and refurbishment are taken care of by the Maxwell's team of expert guitar technicians and luthiers. They also do appraisals of instruments as well. Maxwell's offers installations for professional audio, visual, and lighting systems for schools, churches, clubs, VFWs, funeral homes, sports fields, and so much more. There's also rentable space at Maxwell's, from the music practice and rehearsal rooms for the individuals and bands, all the way to a meeting space and concert venue that seats up to 120. That also includes a professional audio, visual, and lighting system and a sound booth. Maxwell's has it all. All this plus original functioning 1947 recording booth to make your own record. Go to the Guitar Hero throne, to the very own Elvis statue, and don't forget the Harmony Green Pocket Park. There's a reason. The Maxwell's House of Music in Jeffersonville, Indiana has been recognized by the National Association of Music Merchants as a number one award-winning best store design as well as top 100 music store year after year. You gotta see it to believe it, Maxwell's House of Music in Jeffersonville, Indiana.